Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. As you probably noticed, this is a little bit of a bonus episode. The reason I decided to post this one is we're just going to be recording quite a few here in the next week or so about elk hunting, and I just figured we'd get this one up and rolling. Grant and I recorded this on our way down to start elk hunting this season. And in this particular podcast, we talk about Grant's expectations for this hunt as well as what he's doing for a living and just in general having a good support system around you whether that's hunting or whatever aspect of life having a good team around you is just something that both Grant and I value and we talk about how important that is to us and at the end we also talk about just making the shot we understand that this podcast is kind of all over the place but when we're on trips like this and we're driving we just always talk about so many things within hunting that we just figured we'd record and see what we came up with so if you like this type of podcast we can certainly do more of it also if there's any driving noise i apologize for that we were on the road obviously with a bunch of stuff in the back of the car so not sure what all noises you're going to hear but for the most part i think the audio should be pretty good also earlier this week i posted a podcast with Brad Luttrell from Go Wild about social media's ability to censor hunters. If you guys have any interest in a censorship-free social media platform for hunters, check the description of this podcast and you'll find a link to Go Wild. Go Wild is a free social media community where nothing is censored. So if you've had problems with that in general or you just don't support social media censorship in general and you want to get off the major platforms, check out Go Wild. I think it's an awesome community for hunters. We got posts going up there as well so you can check out our page. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing trophies and gear reviews. So as you earn points, you also unlock awesome rewards. So check out Go Wild for a censorship-free social media platform for hunters. All right, with that being said, Let's talk with Grant. Should be a fun episode. Rain. Rain. Day one. <laughs> oh. Travel day. Today on, on the podcast, we're speaking from the truck as we travel our way to our first elk hunt of the season. So, Grant and I, coming to you live from the truck. Yep. I think what we're going to try to talk about is a variety of things, but kind of give you guys like an update on uh, Grant's life. I can even give a little update on my life too, from just Colorado perspective. I've never actually talked about yeah, like. Let's hear it. So, I'm a Colorado resident now. Prior um, to being a Colorado resident, I was an Iowa resident for like five hunting seasons so roughly five years and um prior to that i grew up in ohio as well as grant and um we were doing midwest whitetail that's what brought me to iowa and then um, right when we started thp in 2017 i started um, dating my girlfriend whitney and she grew up in colorado and actually met her through my aunt and uncle who also live in Colorado. They've been here for like, since I was a freshman in high school. So quite a while, like roughly 15 years or so. And um, I started coming out here in 2017, like just, you know, to visit her and hang out. And then in 2000, 
20, I guess, that's when I like transitioned like to full time out moving out here, especially for off season stuff. So then, um, in 2021, that fall, that was the first year that I was officially a resident here. And like, you know, I've got, you know, for those that do know, I've had some questions over the years, like, why'd you leave Iowa? Why would you want to leave Iowa? And like, I guess personally, um, I felt like I kind of got an Iowa fix. And even though I'm not a resident, I still get to go film there. Like a lot of the guys obviously are still Iowa residents and to be able to go back there and film, you know, I still get a little bit of that fix. And, and honestly, Iowa public land, um, I feel like to a certain degree is like kind of just been there, done that type of feel when I'm there. And there's just not a whole lot of it across the state and like generally the pieces are pretty small so like if there's public land like we've probably been on it and like not just been on it but like crawled around every corner of it so it's like you know those places and like something that interests me personally is just going to new areas so you know not being an Iowa resident gives me a little bit more of an excuse to go hunt whitetails in places I've never hunted whitetails before in general and then um, as a Colorado resident, it opened up, opens up a lot of doors to hunt new species like pronghorn, elk, mule deer, uh, bear, which I actually have a tag for this season, archery bear tag, which I'm not necessarily dedicating time to it, but we're just going to be hunting with multiple tags in pocket, which we'll maybe talk about That's a little bit. It's a good bit. way to be. Yeah. Opportunist. So if, he, if he's there and he's in a stockable position, you know, probably make a hunt. But, um... You know, just all in all, I think um, I've always wanted to be a resident of a western state ever since my aunt and uncle moved out here. I remember being a kid and just like making tours through Colorado and seeing mule deer and seeing this different habitat that I'd never seen before. Like I remember seeing a mule deer in sage for the first time when I was like, you know, a teenager and like trying to wrap my head around hunting that was crazy, but I knew it was something I wanted to do. And um, to, to officially be out here and, you know, have the opportunity to explore these areas and, ooh, sorry, a little background noise. I think the phone got in the way, interfered, but, um, just to be able to explore these new areas and try new stuff and, um, just get different experiences in general is, is cool. And like, I guess from a THP standpoint too, like, I moved out here and then just very recently, like in the last month, Greg and Mindy moved to South Dakota and a lot of people ask like, what does that mean? Are you leaving THP? Are you doing like, you know, what does that mean for Greg and Mindy or whatever? And it really means nothing. Like already we've, you know, we don't spend a lot of time in the off season together. A lot of times we're all just like at separate places, just sitting at a computer editing. But then when hunting season starts, we go hunting together and like you know a lot of times they're traveling anyway like life is pretty much on the road for the most part like straight up eight months out of the year we're like you know pretty much gone from home so um that's not not that's not to say exclusively like we obviously go back and forth but like you know we a lot of times we go hunting then we go home and edit we go hunting go home and edit and then in the off season we just are at home editing so in general it it really hasn't changed anything and um 
you know, it's been happening f- for a while where we're in different areas, but we all will always still get back together and stuff. So that's kind of a quick background, I guess, on being out here. And, you know, I would say for the next several years, you know, I'll probably forever. I'm, I guess at this point, I don't see myself unless like completely necessary ever being in a state that, um, really is is east of here because <laughs> i just want that cheap elk tag boy i mean really that's why, what it comes down to why the, the why, west is cool man yeah I, like i had always i know you had always kind of dreamed and thought about living out here and i all through college and when i was doing the internship had really considered living somewhere out west didn't know where i'd looked at uh colorado montana idaho wyoming um and moved to Denver about a year ago, a little more than a year, year ago to date. So I've loved it. It's awesome. Did the internship, obviously, in 19, and then I uh, graduated college in 21. And Zach was out in uh, Denver at that point. Uh, and then I had a couple other friends and a uh, cousin who lived out here who wanted to move out here. So made the jump. Yeah. Not, not too big of a jump, really. I, th- I think uh, what's interesting about moving out here is like since doing so, a lot of a lot of folks from I'm from Central Ohio. Uh, a lot of folks from back home or from school have been like, "Man, I'd I'd love to do that someday." And uh, I, f- I feel like a lot of folks just chalk it up to be a bigger move than it is. It's yeah. Like, just go do it. Yeah. Well, it is like you know, it can be more expensive depending on where you choose to live i think that is like one factor of it but at the same time there's plenty of places in western states that are not expensive to live in like where i you know would like to live at some point is wyoming it's kind of like the next uh the next goal and you know i don't know if it i honestly don't know if it'll ever happen if it if it doesn't it won't be the end of the world i'll still you know be able to go hunt there some and uh whatever but like i'd like to try something different at some point but you know there's plenty of places out west that you can live and honestly like for me it just was like i want to move out here just because i want to try to experience new stuff and you know kind of figure it out as i go and i don't have a whole lot of expenses in life so you know and also to be honest for a long time when i was out here (laughs) until very recently i didn't pay any rent i just lived in my truck and then lived in my aunt and uncle's basement which is kind of hilarious so i didn't spend like any money on rent for like a couple years which was pretty sick and um you know just talk to a lot of people too that come out here and they you know we were just talking about last night talking to people that live in campers and like just kind of live a mobile life like there's all kinds of ways to do it so if you're interested in it just make it happen and like honestly when it comes down to moving away from home this is my view on it worst case scenario you can always move back (laughs) you know and like there's probably always some sort of opportunity for work if you're willing to to do something like there's always going to be opportunities so totally and honestly maybe more fun opportunities or more enjoyable opportunities too if you you know look for something in a different area who knows what you might find but yeah 
talk talk speaking on that talk about that a little bit talk about what you're doing now because i think a lot of people would think that's cool and it's a unique way of ending up out here and taking advantage of like being in this area i guess sure yeah so right now uh my cousin and i um are running a business called geotrek camper vans um and we build out sprinter vans almost exclusively we we also work with ford uh and dodge ram vans but mostly mercedes sprinters um and we do those camper conversions that you may or may not have seen essentially we take a empty cargo van and insulate it and put cabinets in uh countertop sink uh propane stove heated shower really whatever you want um we have a standard build package that we do for folks and um our big thing is trying to keep it affordable like uh the van life trend or the the living mobile trend has been growing a lot over the last five ten years especially in colorado especially in colorado (laughs) and especially with the onset of uh remote work Mm -hmm. like we've had so many folks come to us and be like hey ever since uh covid i've been able to just work on my laptop and i no longer want to pay uh two thousand dollars a month in rent yeah when i don't even have to be anywhere in particular yeah i just want to travel so we've we've had a lot of fun uh helping folks uh come up with a remote remote work setup that's either uh temporary for weekend trips or uh you know a couple weeks or full-time we've we've uh sold vans to several folks that just live in them full-time which i think is awesome uh super admirable it takes unique perspective to be able to do that and um just knowing that at the end of the day you still are living in a car (laughs) Uh, but but once you get over that like the possibilities are endless oh yeah i mean i always find it i find it really cool in general like obviously i have a tendency to do a lot of it right and i i don't have the van but i have now put the rooftop tent on top of my truck and just more and more I feel like I'm getting more efficient at just living without like being somewhere with electricity and water right right and a van is not the solution for everyone I'll <laughs> like I, I sell the things and I'll tell you that right now it's it's a unique scenario where you know the van or a large camper is going to be the most comfortable but mm-hmm. um, for the guy especially relating to hunting uh, that's doing week-long trip, 10-day trip, two-week trip. I don't know if the van is uh, the ticket. The van is for folks that uh, are going to be spending long periods of time, uh, potentially living out of it, that uh, want the comforts for a long-term stay. But um, my passion is just, like, working on mobile living solutions, really, not even mm-hmm. vans specifically, but... Like Zach and I were talking shop about putting solar panels on his uh, <laughs> rooftop tent, which would be awesome. Just mm-hmm. to live off grid, self sustained for long periods of time. So that's kind of what we're working on with GeoTrek, and right now it's vans specifically. But uh, as time goes on, we we definitely want to move into just broader mobile living solutions and uh, making it easier, more comfortable, and affordable. That's that's our biggest thing right now is there's so many conversion companies where you can get a fully kitted out van for like 150k, 200k. Mm-hmm. It's like to me, 
that's not the point. Like, there's folks that have that kind of money, obviously, and mm-hmm. if you want to spend it like that, cool. But to me, that's not what it's about. It's, yeah. it's about uh, simplifying and going pretty minimal. Um, so we we just try to keep it affordable, under 100k. That's yeah, that's cool. And I mean, I guess from an outside perspective too, like Grant obviously was you know working with us in 2019 and then we've hunted together a lot since and as he was finishing college and kind of making the move out here and all that and to see how you got how motivated you guys are just like fully plunged right into it and just like all the like hard work and like all the extra little things that you guys are doing as far as like just growing in general and like how hard you're working I guess is just inspiring in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people I mean here's a couple of guys that are really just right out of college and just like went for it and I think there's no bad time to do it but at that point in your life it's like the risk feels like it's smaller I guess because like you're single you don't have you know you don't have any kids you're just like right out of college it's like let's just try this we'll take the risk and like if it doesn't work who yeah, cares? I guess, yeah, that's like how, you know, especially for, for me, being the youngest of the THP, you know, me, Aaron, and Greg, like, that's how it was, definitely felt for me, is it's like, oh, like, it's no-brainer, because I'm the young guy that just, like, I already don't have any money, like, let's just spend all our money on trying to start this thing, and let's see where right. it goes, and I think, you know, there's no time, there's no wrong time, because, like, I guess if you're unhappy with what you're doing, and you have a different idea or, um, you know, creating your own business or creating your own product or whatever it may be, like creating a better situation for yourself, there's just no wrong time to do it. And it's hard. And like, yeah, I guess it takes, it takes a, a jump or some sacrifice in some, some area of life. Like I've, I had a great job and just quit. Cause I knew that if I stuck around, then I wasn't going to do this. And, yeah. Um, it kind of took doing that for me to just make the leap and and put some fire on my butt to, <laughs> yeah. to like make it happen because mm-hmm. now it's literally just me fending for myself mm-hmm. um, with no secure job to back me up, which mm-hmm. um, you know it was scary at first for sure. But um, then when it but then when things start to like you have those like little wins early. Yep. And, and you, I know you guys are having them like you know. I don't know, I guess, to what extent you feel like you feel like you're having them, but I know you're having them in some fashion. It's like you have those little wins and it makes you be like even more motivated for that next, you know, that next step or that next uh, challenge, I guess. And yeah, you know, another thing that I think is important is like support, you know, like whether it's a girlfriend, wife, parents, friends, like that's another thing that I think really helped, um, especially us at THP it's just like we had we already had like girlfriends and like Greg and Mindy were obviously already married like but the support there and then the support of our friends too like hey you guys should just do it like you you know like just try it you know take the jump take the plunge and just do it and I think that that really helps as well and have just having those people and honestly not paying attention to the people that you know are saying you almost have to like take negative perspective too because there's going to be that if you're trying to do something like on your own or switch things up there's always going to be that 
individual that's just like, why don't you get a real job or when are you going to start really working or whatever? And it's like, well, you know, it's like we're working towards that. And like, you have to either ignore that completely or find it as motivation. Yeah. I personally like it as motivation. Yep. It's like, okay, son, we'll prove you wrong. <laughs> I like that, you know, yeah. but you know, everybody's probably different. So it's like, you either have to just straight ignore it or, you know, use it to get you fired up. But, um, yeah, I mean, the cool thing about THP too is the, the community of the the guys that started it, and obviously everybody in it now. It's like it's it's a brotherhood, and mm-hmm. that's something I've felt uh, with GeoTruck is I've got my business partner and cousin Mark is we just you find those people in life where like and you're one of them where you just push each other mm-hmm. like it goes both ways no mm-hmm. matter what it is. Mark Mark in many ways uh, business in particular, but like just having somebody to to go to war with is is super helpful (laughs) i think like oh yeah i just can't imagine doing it by by myself and Mm -hmm. the stresses that would come with that yeah i think that's even like like really important in hunting too right like one of the reasons that i've said a million times like to other people why i like hunting with grant is like it doesn't matter like what we're doing i know grant's gonna show up to hunt hard and all mistakes aside like it doesn't matter if we like strike out time and time again you're going to come back hungry the next time and you're never going to give up and i think that's just so important and you know who you choose to spend time with no matter what you're doing whether it's business whether it's you know working out whether it's you know um i mean honestly even like a significant other like a girlfriend or whatever it's like having those people to push you and support you you know, it's just, it's just so important. And like, when it comes to, to hunting, I've always like, I've always said like, you know, as far as like going with different people, like there's people that I hunt with that have, you know, hunted for forever. And then there's people that I've hunted with like Colin, for example, like Colin, like not to, not to like, I'm not trying to diss on him or anything. Like I'm actually saying this all is a hundred percent positive. Like Colin, when I first started hunting with him was like just kind of getting into a lot of aspects of hunting. Like his hunting experience prior was like pretty limited. A lot of like waterfowl hunting with friends and then like a lot of gun hunting and a little bit of bow hunting on small properties in Indiana, um, with his dad and brother pretty limited. But then we started elk hunting and turkey hunting a ton together and just his willingness to learn in his fire you know constantly just keeps me going with him it's just like there's a lot of times too where you know i'm a little stressed out because colin's like making some weird decision last minute but it's like i know that even if he messes it up or whatever because he's making that weird decision that like if he messes it up he's gonna shake it off and like come back the next time ready to go and he's not gonna let that stuff get in his head and I, I think that when it comes to hunting that's like like I, I just said a little bit ago on the drive it's like to me what makes a good hunter is somebody that wants to learn it doesn't matter if you've shot you know one buck no bucks a bunch of booners or whatever like at the end of the day none of that stuff matters to me I know you know everybody's a little bit different in what they view success but like I view hunting success as willingness to learn 
um, willingness to like think outside of the box and just like keep coming back hungry for more, trying to learn. That's, 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 that's what makes a good hunter. Like regardless of what has been tagged, if you're hungry and you're coming back for more and you're trying to learn more, you're going to be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the tagged argument is like, it's so contextual with, uh, maybe you've shot, you could have shot 15 huge bucks in your life mm-hmm. and have half the knowledge of a guy that has shot maybe like two. Yeah. Just because it's a mindset thing and just like the, the willingness to learn, to try new things. I would argue that the better hunter is the guy that has killed the two bucks and has traveled around, tried a bunch of new spots, different hunting situations, mm-hmm. uh, different species even. Um, than the guy that has killed seven booners out of the same stand. Right. Yeah. And then that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that either. Like, obviously, everybody's situation is different. Like, that's always important to note, too. Like, when I can, I guess, I guess I don't compare hunting situations because you can't. Like, you can't compare, like, Grant and I's situation, right? We live in the same state. We can get, like, you know, we have pretty much the same opportunities as residents but like you still can't compare like the amount of time the different like obligations we have and like things just look different no matter who you're talking to like no matter who you're talking about it's like you straight up just cannot compare hunting situations because like time and other obligations work you know whatever like all those things play a factor in hunting situations and at the end of the day if you get one day to hunt or you get you know 200 out of the year it's like if you show up trying to learn as much as possible and just have fun like you're not gonna be a bad hunter you know what i mean what's gonna make what what makes a bad hunter is somebody that just like you know gets super frustrated and then gives up well you're not gonna ever improve then so i just think that that's important and again this kind of ties back into all the things we've been talking about like with you know every everybody in your life if you can surround yourself with people that you know have that motivation in general i just think you know that's when you're that's fun and it's it's fun to be around that it it makes it easy to like show up motivated yourself i guess yeah it goes for everything everything in life and it's good to have folks that kind of specialize in certain aspects of life Mm -hmm. push you in different ways yeah totally i think something that's that's funny is uh like talking about mark and and just pushing each other and it's like the the marathon training you guys are doing this summer. It's like so little background is I don't even know how or when I showed up in the in the middle of this, but like you these guys had been so Grant, Mark, his cousin that he does GeoTrek with, and then Jake, who is a roommate of these guys, they were training for a marathon this summer. And <laughs> had a pretty damn intense <laughs> schedule <laughs> it was like it was like uh yeah i was right into it, it was, uh starting in april i think late april early may um and we had a we had a whole marathon plan with weekly mileage uh mapped out by the day and um just i i had never done one always wanted to and uh so i just made the plan booked the race for uh it was on august 13th of this year and uh, trained from spring until then, and uh, Zach was Zach joined in on a bit of it. 
yeah. very respectably. Uh, <laughs> just jumped into a long run. We were, I don't even know what we were talking about, but this is generally how I get myself in these things. Is I do a lot of running on my own and stuff, and like, um, I currently don't have like a person that I like train running with wise like a lot, but um, I have friends that are like are kind of doing the same thing, like Grant and Mark and Jake, for example, and like my buddy Kyle last summer I did some runs with but it's like one of these deals generally where I start texting about like hey what are you doing this weekend you want to go like scouting or something and it's like well actually we're going on this run and then I end up like okay well tell me more so <laughs> I get I get a reply from Grant that just says 17 <laughs> big pronghorn buck right there so I'm, oh, yeah. ooh, skyline awesome but um anyway side note of the drive but um he says 17 and i'm just like well whatever like i'll try it so show up and yeah that that was very admirable <laughs> that you like no hesitation even and zach zach is obviously in great shape from hunting and he he lifts and runs all the time but mind you jake and mark and i had been running for weeks on end like doing 10 milers 15 milers uh at this point i think 17 was going to be our longest uh-huh. um but Zach, like, pretty cold turkey. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> we just went for it, and we did it, and it was a lot of fun, and it's fun to be with people that, like, you know, we, we stuck together and, like, just got through it, and it's, like, kind of crazy. One thing in general that I enjoy doing is stuff that's, like, a big number like that because when it comes to hunting then, which is something that we've talked about before, but when when it comes to hunting – like we've done some pretty big numbers as far as like pack out stuff or like you know deer hunting or elk hunting or pronghorn hunting like we've had some pretty long like distance like from the truck hunt and no matter what that distance is if you practice in the off season with like runs or hikes or whatever and you get to where you know you kind of kill that expectation of this is hard like not to say that it's not still hard but it's like okay we're gonna go do an 11 mile hike today and then you get done with that and you look at how long it even took and you're like well i mean that wasn't even that bad like we did that in a day or you know go on a long run like that it's like well that only took however many hours so it's like we can do more than what we think and i like just extending that as much as possible to not just um get intimidated by a number because like at one point before I was doing that as much as I do now and you know the last several years it was easier to look at a number and just be like dude like whoa that's too much that's too far and I feel like now you know there's nothing that we're afraid to tackle just because we you know continue to do these things and just like push it and I I mean some people disagree with the push it attitude it's like oh you're gonna get hurt or oh you're not gonna be able to do that at some point or it's gonna hurt you when you're older and like I personally don't believe that at all like there's also a lot of people out there that like I mean there's some people that do some pretty insane stuff that are like way older than us that like our motivation like like I just saw like Giannis from Meat Eater who I think is a really cool dude and he's always doing cool stuff in general. Like he just did a, like some crazy, you know, long run. I don't remember exactly how long it is. I won't, I won't say just to make sure I don't get it wrong, but like, you know, he's, he's older than me and you by a bit. Like, I think he's 
at least 10 years older than me and it's like dude's out there doing his like doing crazy stuff too it's like i think staying active is important to me in general and it helps for hunting situations like directly helps hunting situations yeah totally and to just push yourself like kind of with something scary Mm -hmm. and just for me it was just putting on on the calendar and like signing up for the race at this spring Mm -hmm. it's like all right well no choice now we're doing it (laughs) we're committed yeah I think it's or once Zach said yes to 17, there's no way I let him back out. <laughs> but then uh, I just, I think for like stuff like the, you know, the two craziest things, or three probably, craziest things I've ever done hunting were the 15-mile elk pack out, the seven-mile buck pack out, yeah. which was all done in a day, so seven in, seven out. <laughs> Hell, all done in an afternoon. Of an evening. <laughs> that then, was a decent evening. Oh, man, that was wild. And then uh, the, what was the last thing? The Oh, the pronghorn. That was pretty weird, too, because that was like three and a half. Recently? Oh, that was two years ago oh. with Gooch and oh, waterless, waterless prong? Yeah, waterless, like kind of running on uh, dehydration and the verge of heat stroke and um, three and a half miles of full pronghorn on back that was that was a pretty strenuous one but like you know when you get that you get those reps in of like you know a lot of different examples of just you know working through as many miles as you possibly can and just trying to make that number feel less significant than what it is is just very helpful in those situations because it's like okay yeah like i've been here before i've done this yeah. i know that i can do this been in the pain cave for and with with the knowledge that you're not getting out of it anytime soon yeah. I, I think that's what's super interesting about endurance running long distance running or even just big hikes it's like you get to this point where you are in deep pain <laughs> and you know it's not ending anytime soon you just gotta keep and chipping that, away that is so good for the mental mm-hmm. yep yeah, and it's fun too. Like again, when you surround yourself with people that are like heavily motivated and not like, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't mean anybody's a bad person for it. But it's like if somebody starts getting negative quick, it's like that makes the whole, way tougher on everybody else. It's like yeah. if somebody starts like, man, I don't know that we can do this. It's like, yeah, it's like that's those are powerful words. Yeah, in mile twenty two. <laughs> yeah, it's like. No, we can do this. We can. We always yeah. can. I think that's just, I don't know. I like I like doing that type of stuff. It's just, you know, it's fun. And honestly, at the end of the day, like, those are the types of things, like, you know, like, let's just, let's just use the two, the, well, all those three hunts that I just mentioned, all those long pack outs. It's like, it's not even, like, the size of the bull or the buck. It's the... Honestly, those hunts, the most memorable parts is the people that were right there along with you, keeping you going, Mm -hmm. you know, like the group of that Nebraska thing. I remember us talking like, man, just having everybody here is so fun. Same thing in Colorado packing Jake's elk out last year. Same deal. It's just like, man, like we're all just like struggling through it, but we're staying positive and we're making it, it fun still. So... I just think that's pretty cool. But anyway, I guess talking about hard things that we may be potentially doing here in the future, we're about to go elk hunting for the first time 
this season. And uh, we're going to try to get G's first bowl. First with bowl. A, with a bow or any weapon for that matters. First elk. First what's, elk. What's your hopes, expectations, plans? Uh, I mean, what do you got to offer as far as that goes? Yeah, so this will be my second elk hunt. I went in uh, 2020 over the counter uh, with my buddy Jake from college. Um, and we had one uh, come in. to. The, I was actually raking. So we had gone like, I think, nine or ten days. It was earlier than we're going. Uh, and it was super hot yeah. and dry. It was that September that uh, it was super cold the first week mm-hmm. and then super hot the second. Like, I think uh, Denver set a record for the earliest snow that year mm-hmm. on, like, September 9th. Yeah, yeah, because I actually got, um, right at that time frame, I got stuck in Wyoming on my way back from North Dakota, and I ended up shacking up in a hotel for a couple of days and just editing there because I couldn't drive home anymore. It was, like, so snowy. Yeah, that it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I remember getting videos from Colin, who was in the van yep. at that point, and he... It was like broke down on the side of the road uh, in sep- early September, first week. Just um, getting dumped on. Dumped on. <laughs> anyway, the the following two weeks was like unseasonably warm. Mm-hmm. So it was super slow. Um, and we covered a ton of ground uh, all over the state, really. Um, and then finally on day nine or ten, whatever it was, I was just raking this tree and bowl responds in the bottom mm-hmm. bugles to the, to the raking um, and immediately hit him back with the bugle uh, and, and just kept waited a minute and then kept raking and he came right up um, learned a lot from that setup because it ended up just being too open mm-hmm. to where he I saw his rat come up from the bottom and I was like, Jake, right here, right here. He was probably 100 yards, 90 yards. And from there, he could just poke his head up and look on the flat that we were on and see mm-hmm. nothing up there. Yep. Um, so he he came up, he ended up coming up. From, at that point, we just shut up because any calling we would have done, he would have pinned us. Yep. Um, and he circled around us, kind of keeping like 90, 100-yard radius the whole time and just took the high ground above us and looked down on that flat we were on which by the way was torched so with, with sign. sign yeah so like they had certainly been in there yeah it was like crazy fresh rubs right in there and then that's what prompted me to rake mm-hmm. um so yeah he he never really even spooked he circled around us didn't see anything and then kind of wandered off mm-hmm. we, we followed up followed up on him and never got on him um but that is like the extent of my elk hunting experience <laughs> other than going with uh ted yep. last year yep and we um i guess like are going again this year and like kind of a background on it is like you know again being close by both residents it was like well i'll just commit to going with you and you know go from there to kind of the next thing and just kind of go from there and it's kind of how we decided on doing it and, and basically like last year we really only elk hunted for like a week and jake shot that bull and we went back for like 
a day, but like the way just obligations were last year with hunting deer early and editing. And then like Jake only had a handful of days. Like he had to leave the day that he shot the bull anyway. So like we ended up packing it out and then he left. And then, um, I had to go to a wedding too, like right on October 1st. So like I had to be traveling, you know, the days prior to that and it just ended up working out so that we just didn't get a ton of time in the grand scheme of hunt of you know elk hunting time but this year like kind of the goal a little bit is to just chip away at some different areas and kind of at least this is my expectation I guess is like try different areas than what we've been in the past all new stuff uh, it's kind of what like again what we kind of like doing and honestly the the group overall the mentality is just like when we were trying to figure out where, you know, some areas where we were going to meet up because we have other buddies meeting us along the way. Like Colin's coming along, my brother's actually coming along, and then Ben, and hopefully at some point Jake and um, intern Nick as well. Potentially some other people along the way, but like they're all kind of coming at a little bit different times. And as we were trying to figure out like what we were doing, we all kind of settled on like you know we'll all meet up you know hunt until we fill grant's tag and then we'll just move to the next one and i have a tag colin has a tag and then my dad also has a tag too so like even if um you know we you know we're super fortunate and we like tag you know a couple of them we can always go back and hunt with my dad too so we've got a whole bunch of different options and all in different areas that we've never hunted before and um I think just in general, like that's, you know, the motto this year has been, like, we're just going to go into it, take it as it comes. We're going to play it patient and not get too worked up about anything. And like, honestly, you know, in the grand scheme of like an elk rut hunt, you know, even just two or three days is a lot of time because unlike deer hunting this time of the year, like we're talking straight up rut. It's September 15th right now. It's like November 15th yep. in the Whitetail Woods. Like, it's cranking now. Yep. And in our experience, like, these dates, like, are where the rut is definitely going on now. With that being said, I, you know, I've asked myself a lot, like, when's the best time to hunt? I don't know, honestly. I think the best time to elk hunt is, like, for one, when you can go. Two, all season and three like it kind of depends on what your style is right like if you want to bow hunt elk and make stalks you know probably earlier the better just because they're a little bit more on a pattern you know they're not going to be as vocal but like you know they may be feeding and open stuff where they haven't been nudged around yet but like if you want to be calling and you know hearing bulls bugle you know like later can be better but at the same time like we hunted the first year i ever went we hunted september 1 through 10 and like that was the some of the best i've ever experienced like we weren't hearing them necessarily just like bugling on their own all day but like we got a bull to bugle and respond to our call at some point and like we called in a lot of bulls to like really really close to getting a shot so many times and i think that you know that just goes to show that you know early i think 
know, the benefit of that is you don't have to deal with like as much competition with within the herd. So like you might find a bull that's alone and you know, you, you get him to respond with a cow call or a location bugle, for example, and he's alone, he's big old son and he's starting to feel it a little bit and he's like, Hmm, you know what the heck? I'll go over there and check this out where later in the season, like in our experience, like last year, for example, we were later and we did hear, you know, bugling consistently, but like the problem with that was they were so herded up that when we try to make a move, the bull would just like, you know, I'm sure we were making like not all the right sounds either as far as calling goes, which, you know, we're always trying to get better at, but like also when they're herded up like that, it's hard to get to the bull because there's cows involved. And as soon as he feels pressure in any way, from like even another elk in general he's just like well if i got the opportunity to him we'll round up him we'll get and i think that you know that's the downside of that time of the year is just you're dealing with more elk in general so like there's pros and cons to all of it and like honestly at this point i'm still just trying to learn that myself like you know maybe um different times of the year um you know will be more interesting to me but right now i feel like going deer hunting the first few days of September and then switching over to elk, you know, sometime in the middle part of the month is, is kind of what just works for me for one timing yeah. wise. And then also just like, you know, curious to continue to try it and just see what happens. And it's a little bit cooler generally this time of the year. Like I'm looking at more snow G than I was hoping to see down <laughs> through here. <laughs> Maybe we should have brought the spikes, <laughs> but nah. I don't know. What do you like? What, uh, as far as like, you know, what are you hoping to learn on this hunt? Um, I really don't even have like crazy expectations for it. And I, I typically don't go into hunts with crazy expectations, no. but, uh, I'm just excited to hunt as the group. And, um, you know, I've heard such awesome stories about the previous year's hunts with this group. And mm-hmm. I've, uh, been a part of some hunts with like, like Ohio Muzz, uh, yep. this we're super fortunate to have this awesome group of friends that we hunt with and uh i think sometimes take it for granted that like all these dudes are die hard and like have really great perspectives on hunting laid back um and it's about spending time with each other and um tackling it as a group and there's no there's no self-interest involved in this like it's we're working on a team for all three of these tags so yeah that's what i'm excited about yeah Dude, totally. I mean, it gets me excited, like, just in general, the team aspect. Like, I guess, speaking on that note, something that, especially as this muzzleloader thing has grown and the elk hunting, they're kind of like, they're like the same age, you know? Like, yeah. I've done the muzzleloader thing and the elk hunting thing now for the same, you know, three seasons and going into season four this is day one of going into season four and like as you know we continue to get more experience doing this i've realized that the reason that i like those hunts the most like i love elk hunting because of a lot of different things i love muzzleloader hunting for a lot of different things but like what makes those hunts so special at the end of the day is the team Mm -hmm. and I guess a background that maybe people already know about me is that I love football. I love football, man. Like it was one of my favorite things I've ever done. Like probably other than hunting, like 
football and then slightly, you know, a close second to that was playing baseball as a team, you know, team sport. Played both all the way through high school. And when I went to college, I kind of felt lost for a while. Like that team and I did and I and I honestly don't even know that I could have put a finger on it at that time as to that's what it was that I was missing, but it was looking back at it now, you know, 10 years later, it's like it's team. I miss mm-hmm. team. And now that we're hunting in this way where like we're actually all out there with the same intentions like even at times multiple tags like again especially with the the muzzleloader and the elk it's like there's a lot of times where like there's multiple tags involved like last year when jake shot that bull he had a tag ben had a tag colin had a tag and i had a tag and like that's something that we never really point out in the videos but like it got to the point where it was going to be Jake's last day and there was not an ounce of question in Colin and Ben's, like, even though they've been toting bows around the entire hunt, there was not a single question that like Jake wasn't the lead on that day. Right. Like Jake's going first period. And Ben was like, I'm on call and Colin's going to rake. And like, that's just like, <laughs> you know, that was the setup for that day and it worked out perfectly. And there was never a bit of, you know, Oh, I wish it would have been me or whatever. Like when you, and when you have that group mentality, it just makes it that much more fun because again, there it, it's just success. It doesn't, it's not Jake's success. It's just group success. And right. the same thing with the muzzleloader. Like when we finally killed our first couple bucks, few bucks this season, it was like, I honestly don't know that there's ever been a happier time. in like hunting is like when we killed the bulls that we've killed and those muzzleloader bucks like team success team success and when like your teammates right there it's so awesome and i just like look back on you know playing sports and team sports and you know you have that all the time like literally from the time you know i was a little kid like playing t-ball to the time i graduated high school i had team sports and you know not everybody that hunts you know played team sports or not everybody that hunts wants to hunt as a team and like that's okay too like it does it can be whatever you want it to be but for us that's that's important and i feel like i feel like all of a sudden like it's dawning on me that the void of team sports in my life is no longer Mm -hmm. like it's present again because we have the, the team and you know we have just a and we also have like a pretty um we get a deep bench too, you know, like yeah. <laughs> anybody can tag in at any point and it's just yeah. like, you got no worries about it. And that's, yeah, man, that's team. fun. Yeah. Well, awesome. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is having friends mm-hmm. that push you in different areas. And mm-hmm. that's the coolest thing about a hunting team is like together we're, we're way better as one mm-hmm. way better at hunting oh, as, yeah. a, as a pack. Yeah. And elk hunting, uh, muzz camp, whatever it may be deer drives anywhere mm-hmm. um and it, it's super cool to to for one bounce ideas off each other for strategy and how you're going to go about achieving group success and for two just having folks that push you day in and day out to look over at zach just like <laughs> grinding going uphill <laughs> just smiling <laughs> or like it, i mean very similar to a lot of what we did in that marathon training and mm-hmm. when Zach joined it too, it's like when you run in a pack versus solo, it's so much easier mm-hmm. to talk or like you go through periods where you're down mentally or physically 
uh, and you look over and the other guy's in a good mood, it's so much easier to just snap right back out of it. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I think when it comes to, like, hunting, too, like, having the differences in personalities and, like, little strengths is super important and something that, you know, we don't always point out, like, one thing that I always say about Colin, for example, is not only is that guy always smiling and never down. Swiss like, Army knife. Yeah, he's just like he can. He, he's a he's our mechanic. Yeah. You know, like give him any like tool or you know like gear, and like he'll figure out the best way to be efficient with that piece of gear or tool or whatever it is. Like, for example, something that we didn't like draw out in the elk hunt very much was like. We talked about a little bit, like Colin had the, the sore knee. So if you've watched the, the elk videos, the archery elk videos that we just posted, um, there's a little bit of talk about Colin um, having the sore knee. And because of that, when we shot the bull, that night packed him down to the creek, hung him, camped down there, and we woke up the next morning and there was a bull bugling above us. It was like, well, let's go try to get him Like while we're here. You know, it might be a while before we're back at the spot might as well try to make the most of it so we decided to go uphill and colin was just like you know what guys like i don't see that being worth it for me to go up there he's like i'm gonna just stay back and make sure everybody's packs are like exactly the same weight and like that doesn't necessarily get it's hard to show that appreciation in a video but like that is so valuable like that's a team player move he just said you know what you guys chase them and i'll stay down here and make sure these packs are ready to rock and you know that way when you guys come back whether you get them or not like we're ready to get the first load down and out of here and i think you know little little stuff like that colin's just good at being technical in that way and like he's always got you know he's always got the most paracord he's always got mm-hmm. the little like you know the new little gadget another thing that really helps is just you know talking about those different personalities is like you know i think one of my strengths is motivator you know like i like to just like get people fired up and like totally the whole like let's hunt thing as goofy as that is like that's just like you know that's my way of just like showing whoever i'm with and in that the original situation of that jake it's like if i i know that if i run up the hill screaming let's hunt to jake i know that he's gonna immediately just be like yeah let's hunt and like he's immediately gonna be fired up and like speaking on like with jake exactly specifically when we were going on that elk hunt i have this tendency too to get flustered easily like to where i just get you know concerned about things that like i need to just take a step back and like take a breather relax and just keep playing it cool and i'm luckily surrounded by a lot of people that do that way better than i do all the time ben you colin jake whatever like you guys are like pretty laid back characters and i'm pretty high strung character not to say that you guys don't have your high strung moments by any means but like in general i would say i have more of a tendency to just be worked up about stuff right (laughs) and like we were headed in and this is a huge, like, moment in that elk hunt last year. We're walking in, and I'm starting. It's like, it's all taking longer than I think. So this is the initial day, packing in, and I'm, I'm starting to, like, 
feel pressed for time already it's like okay we're already like getting the later start because all the editing projects took longer to drive here took longer to pack the packs before we hit the trail took longer to you know the list goes on and on of things that just continued to take longer than what I thought. And now we're walking in and like, it's about to get dark and we're not even hunting yet. And like, I had this expectation in my head that we were going to be like hunting like for sure by that night, if not earlier than that. And here we are like, not even like really being in a position where I felt like we were in the right area to be hunting like we hadn't quite got to the right habitat yet and there was two or three places that I was interested in but there was one really really um, good looking spot that had all the boxes checked that I had been looking at on a map for like we said in the videos like multiple years um, and I'd been super excited about going to this spot and it kind of gets to a point where I'm trying to decide, like, do we go to this place that's closer or this place that's closer or, like, I really want to go up there, but I'm, I'm just kind of in my head freaking out and I'll never forget it. And, like, it'll it'll forever just be, like, one of those things that's so easily brushed over. But I don't want people to, like, I don't want myself or anybody to ever forget that even level-headed Jake just goes, well, Zach, where do you really want to go? Like, where do you really feel the most confident? I said, well, I want to go up there. And he said, well, no, let's just take her easy tonight, camp, and go up there tomorrow. It's not that big of a deal. And, dude, when he said that, it was just like, ah, like you're right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do that. And I think just knowing that he's okay with that makes me okay with that. Yeah. And then we go do it and, like, just have the best experience we could have asked for. And had we not done that, who knows what would happen. Had I, had I been alone and I just panicked and just, like, tried to get to the closest spot that I thought could be decent, who knows what could happen. We could have ran into more hunters. We could have been in a position where there just weren't as many elk or the habitat wasn't as good. Whatever it could have been, it could have been that if I was alone. And I think you know, the personality differences in a hunting group is also helpful. I mean, it can also be tough at sometimes too, where, you know, having a difference in personality is, you know, maybe makes people, I don't know, it could make things tough too, but like, I don't, yeah, that's rare, but with, I think with our group, I think. Yeah. That's, that's interesting about Jake. I, th- I agree. It's like, that's one of his biggest strengths. It's oh. just even keeled, calm and collected, never frantic about anything it's it's why i like hunting with him so much like and i've told um i've told him that a lot it's just like dude when when i go hunting with you whether you're filming or i'm filming you like it doesn't matter it's just like i don't feel worried about anything yeah. just because it's no like stress whatever you're yeah, just having fun and then when you hunt like that in my yeah. opinion like you're at your best like yeah. generally when you just don't care you're not afraid of the what ifs which i mean i'll be honest one of my weaknesses is i I can get, if things aren't like, you know, I don't want to say that if things aren't going right, because I think I always have a positive outlook on it, but I just get scrambled because of it sometimes to where it makes me just like, Oh, and there's a bunch of options or a lot to think about. I think there can be a tendency to just overthink it. Mm -hmm. And I think Jake's skill is being like, all right, like, let's take our time. Let's, Let's stay calm. What's the best move? It's to go to this best-looking spot on the map. Let's just go in there. Yep. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Yep. That's where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I'm, in general, this hunting season, what I'm hoping 
to just like keep in the front of my mind at all times. I want to be better at that. I want to get better at that or get back to where I feel like I'm maybe doing that just a little bit more. Like there was a run there where I was trying to learn a new style of hunting, 2017, 18, 19 even. And honestly, like I didn't ever care about failing at that time. Like I had zero fear of spooking anything, none. And even when I did, like a lot of times it ended up helping us, you know, whether we killed that same buck that day or the next couple days, or um, just like find a, a good area that, you know, deer are hanging out in, or I guess a habitat that deer are hanging out in. When I was doing that, I was having better success. And then I feel like in 2020 and 2021, there were these times of hesitation, not every hunt, like North Dakota, for example, is a great a great example of just like seeing him and then no hesitation like we're crawling right to point blank we're killing this buck like there was never a doubt um but then like i talk about this i've talked about this on the podcast a lot so i won't go into it but i really look back on the pennsylvania hunt and like where we ted and i ended up getting to when we killed the buck was the place that we should have been on like day one through three not day six or whatever like we just didn't get aggressive enough when we needed to like first couple days it's one thing to kind of see well you know are they gonna kind of move out here and we can play it a little safe but it's like by day three or or two or three at the latest like if they weren't coming out to these spots where we're kind of sitting out on the fringes of it like let's just get on the x of where we think they're spending most of the day well we did that on day six but we could have done that way faster and i'm not saying that would have necessarily meant that we got him on day you know one through three but i think it would have like you know put us in the game at least a little bit quicker and you know maybe would have just been a little bit easier on the mind to just like not be feeling like you were hitting that grinding point because day six you start to be like ah are we gonna be able to pull this off like you know everybody's gonna leave you know am i gonna be able to stay here i'm gonna be able to come back here at some point in the season i think you start you know hitting that point but when you hunt aggressive i think a lot of hunters struggle with that myself Mm -hmm. in particular especially like in my early solo days in ohio yeah like you just whitetail hunters i think especially just in matrix of overthinking options (laughs) you know what i mean it's like for sure one of the biggest things i've learned after hunting with you guys and with uh the whitetail adrenaline guys Mm -hmm. it's it's calm and collective we're having fun what's the best option just go straight to it and if you fail big whoop and if you fail there's like honestly still probably like 10 other options that you were considering were also the best options so just go straight to that yeah not afraid to to burn an option i guess is is more specifically with white tail adrenaline that's something i notice is like mm-hmm. they see a spot that looks great they're gonna go in there and try to kill if it doesn't work big whoop like you're not sitting around thinking about it for seven days yep. on, on the fringe yep and i feel like again like there's different waves and there's different levels of like experiences that i've had hunting and filming is is different so many different levels of like overthinking and or not too like on the other hand there's a lot of times where we just don't it's just like yeah just get right in there and make that decision and be and be content with that decision and um it's 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 weird though like i'll I'll use an example of a place that i feel like a time place in general that i feel like i kind of hit these thoughts recently is like 
when I'm hunting in a new area, like I'm, I'm, I've hunted big timber, but like I've committed a lot of time to it in the last two, three seasons. And like, I feel like for whatever reason, I have way more of a attachment to big timber stuff than I do open stuff. So like, and, and I'm specifically talking whitetails right now, but like when I go to Ohio or Pennsylvania or Georgia, um, all pretty similar habitat. Like we're just talking big hardwood forest for the most part with some, you know, disturbances mixed within. There's a hunter walking down Good the road. Good luck. Another side of the drive here. He's weaponless. <laughs> Maybe he's just packing. Maybe he got one. Hopefully. But um, when you go into these big timber settings, I think that, you know, you put a lot of effort to get into them generally speaking you know you can't see into them so you like put all this effort into getting back there and then you get back there and you start seeing this big sign you see a big track see a big rub bunch of scrapes and for whatever reason i have this tendency in those types of habitats to just like freak out and be like well i found the big one and something that going into this off season when i was doing some scouting in some of those big timber settings was Focus on new areas. That way you have a longer list of places that you have confidence in and also just build your confidence that there are more spots than even the places you've been to. So like, for example, a lot of these big timber areas across the country, you can hunt a whole lot of public land, right? Like whether you're here in Colorado or you're in Virginia, there's tons of public land, big timber settings, but tons of it, a whole bunch of different options. And like, you know, you can hunt this like specific area or you can hunt 10 of them and just get super aggressive right in the best looking spot on the map for that like zone. And really you don't ever have to burn a spot out then. And I feel like there for a while I was doing a better job of that. But then all of a sudden I started hunting big timber situations where I can't see as much and I don't run trail cameras personally. So like when I see big sign, then I start to convince myself that this is the only big buck in the area or like the only place there's, you know, something big here. And I start like tiptoeing around it more. And yeah. then I regret that like every season that I, or every hunt, like whether that's like a daily perspective or a weekly or whatever, or a season long perspective, it's like, I regret that. I like hunting aggressive. And when I, personally, when I hunt the most aggressive that I possibly can, results are better even if i'm bumping bucks the results are better yeah like yeah well it's just more high odds hunts it's like if you can if you can find those areas where the sign is super hot you're in you're in on the x we'll say Mm -hmm. if you can get on the x six times be it be it like the same x a couple times or six different ones yep it's like your hunts are going to be way higher odds than dancing around the fringe of one x yes exactly um and i think like the more more time you spend in and around um a really sweet looking area the more you're just kind of gumming it up mm-hmm. so if you can go in there aggressively one time hunt it uh doesn't work out maybe you bounce out hit another one you can always come back and it's not you haven't burnt it yeah i'd agree with that you might talk about too you're making an interesting point on the phone the other day uh more more related to shooting about having more you always have another opportunity mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about 
uh, rushing shots, making bad shots, like kind of the mental behind forcing a shot, rushing a shot, or or thinking uh, he's about to get away, get it off. Here's my, here's my only chance. Mm-hmm. And you're making the point uh, the point that it's never your only chance. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be more. Yeah. Um, so I, you, I think that ties into shooting in like this same situation of the hunting aggressive, right? Yeah. It's like if you go in and you hunt aggressive and you mess it up, like which whatever that even really means, because honestly, I don't know what that means. Like up to this point, there's rarely been a time where I've hunted a place so much that I'm like, oh, I ruined it. Like yeah. if they're in there, like usually they're in there and like there's a reason they're there there's a reason that they're there to the point where especially we're talking public land like it's probably just straight up the safest place they can possibly be right now with the food and the water that they need stay in security i guess so like those three factors and it being just safe because nobody's in there you know they're probably coming back so like you know even if somehow you go into an area I guess we could draw up this this perspective or this situation. So, like, let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to push in today. Um, I've been seeing sign coming out of here, but sitting out on the edge, like, last night or, you know, yet last night and this morning didn't work, and now it's Sunday and i got to go back to work tomorrow. It's like, I'm going to push in tonight. And let's say you go do that and, you know, maybe you bump him and you see him, you know, right where you thought he might be but you pushed a little bit too far or you know you try to push it to get that aggressive set up to where you're you know 15 to 20 yards from the the main trail versus 10 or ver- I'm sorry versus 30 or 40 and you know he busts you because you don't have a perfect setup like, like let's just say that one of those two like types of situations you were good enough to find that spot in the first place you're going to get there again and just keep that in mind that, like, that's a win. Like, you found one. Or, like, you found deer. You won. Like, in a little, like, again, me- measuring success with a kill, then, yeah, you didn't win. But if you don't have, if you try to keep that out of your brain and you just say, hey, every, like, time I learn something, I win, then you did win. And, like, good. Like, mm-hmm. you should be proud of that. And, like, just because you didn't get him isn't the end of the world. You were, you were good enough to get there so when it comes to shooting and kind of what i was talking about um to you on the phone the other day it was just like thinking about taking your time on a shot is it's it's a hard thing to do and like some people are better at it than others but like we've all went through waves where we've had our struggles um like kind of how we got to talking about is just like when I was younger, I hit like a handful of bucks high just over the years. Like, especially in my teen years, I was shooting bucks and hitting them high non-lethal hits, just like, you know, essentially just aiming too high and not compensating for, you know, an alert deer or whatever. So something that I was reflecting on and I just got to kind of rambling on and probably will do again right now (laughs) is, uh, just keeping that perspective similar to what we were just talking about that you're good enough to get there you'll get there again don't freak out that this is your opportunity because when i look back on those situations you know there was one for example where i was probably i don't even think i could drive yet so i was younger than 16 and i went and got into the stand at my grandpa's place and um 
it was dark and I was sitting in the stand before daylight and heard a deer come in and thought it was a raccoon ended up being a spike that bedded behind me in this depression and I didn't know that he was there even when it got daylight but I thought it was just like you know something small had came in in the dark and stopped moving behind me and I just honestly inexperienced you know more inexperienced at the time I just wrote it off and all of a sudden about you know that kind of running in the morning when it's real pretty light and everything's kind of glowing and it was a little bit chilly that morning and leaves are changing and I look through the trees and right down like you know, kind of the bench that I was set up on I look right down through there and there's just this big eight point a real dark antler just you know definitely a mature buck and he came in making scrapes and as he was getting closer and closer all of a sudden that little spike stood up right behind me and I realized now that he was probably just coming to run him out of that bed and was like you know doing dominant buck stuff on the way up there like making those scrapes it was early October and um he comes in and he kind of and again looking back on it he did a very textbook j-hook and when he j-hooked he went like right past my stand broadside and it was easy shot I mean you know should have been an easy shot it was 18 yards and looking back on what was going through my head at that time was like holy crap this is a huge buck this will be the biggest buck that I've ever shot and like who knows when I'm going to get another opportunity at something like this and I draw the bow back and I remember nothing about what that pin was doing I took no extra second to you know settle it and make sure it was in that you know smallest spot that I could aim at and just take that extra second to settle it he didn't know I was in the world I just rushed the shot completely and I shot him too high and he took off running and you know classic deal where he lived like saw him later and uh ended up you know doing that a couple more times at least over the years you know I had some good shots too but like you know I had this tendency of just like hitting high there for a while and I actually ended up doing it again with you even in 2019 with the buck Mm -hmm. that Greg ended up shooting yep um and it's just something that you know when I look back on pretty much all of the shots I've ever done that on what's going through my mind is pretty much pure panic of like this is my opportunity I can't mess this up and if I've thought about that then I've already messed up I'm already thinking about it too much so what's helped me is in the heat of the moment I just try to remember even if I don't get this buck it doesn't matter like not not from a standpoint of like don't get him as in I make a bad shot as in like if he busts me because I'm taking too long to settle that pin that's not the end of the world so example North, even like North Dakota the Bucks totally got us pinned so this is the one in 2020 with Jake where Gooch and Greg are on the cliff the Buck has us completely pegged he's looking at Jake sitting up trying to film him and he knows something's up but he doesn't know what's up and when I draw I'm out of sight of him and he turns his head and he turns his head just enough that both Jake and I decide like Jake, you, if you listen closely Jake says pop up and I was watching his antlers through the tops of his antlers, so I knew his head had turned just enough to give me that little window. And I popped up, and if you watch, he snaps his head right back at me. And I just took, like, I mean, in that situation, he was close, so it didn't take super long time, but I remember burying that pin in the spot. 
in shooting. And it was, there was no doubt when that arrow went off that it's like, it's going to be perfect because I took that extra second. Now, what I had done in the past and we'll do again at some point, you know, I don't think anybody's like sitting here saying that like, you know, it's an easy thing to do. I'm going to do it again. I almost guarantee it. But when I look back at those times that I messed it up, I've thought to myself, I got to get this off right now. He's going to run. And like a lot of times to settle that pin takes like what tops two seconds, like probably less than that, like probably like half of a second. It's just that extra little focus, especially when you're talking a 20, 30 yard shot, just like bury it. Just make sure that your pin is in the smallest spot. Like you've picked the spot where your pin's going to be and you're trying to get it on a specific hair. And when you do that, like you're going to have a hard time missing. Mm -hmm. And I think that another thing to play into that is like in that final moment too, read into the body language of the animal. For example, if they're completely calm and there's some distractions, whether that be does or wind noise or another buck or a decoy or um, like water noise. I mean, there's all kinds of like distractions that can, can, um, I guess, keep them from being on high alert or, you know, doing the classic, like jumping at the shot or ducking at the shot. It's just them, you know, that is just them turning to run. Right. So if they're on high alert, if they're keyed up, for example, like looking at you, there's probably a good chance that as soon as the sound of the bow goes off, they're going to start to run. Therefore the vitals are going to drop. So in that final second, as you're making that like final settling of the pin, a little bit of your decision on where that pin is, is going to depend on what his body language is. So I'll use a couple different examples. You've got a buck that's super concerned about a doe. Okay, this is actually an example that happened to me. I shot a buck with Logan Wright in Iowa in 2018. That buck was chasing does and going back and forth, and his nose was on the ground. And, like, I stopped him. And even when I stopped him, if you watch that, he never, like, looks right at us. He just kind of looks. He didn't know we were there. And I put the pin right at the, like, right at the heart, my 30-yard pin. He was 30 yards exactly. I put my 30 pin right on his heart, and I shot that way if he did start to drop like it it still hits him in the lungs and if not it hits him right you know in the heart and lung intersection he didn't really do anything and it just popped right through him toast perfect that buck didn't really have us pinned down um on the other hand um if a buck is at 30 yards and he's kind of seeing you and he's kind of looking and he's doing kind of the stomp walk, maybe his tail's up, but he's really, really keyed in on exactly where you're at. It's not to say that that's a shot you can't make, but you have to anticipate that he's going to do something in that final moment. Like you can't just shoot, you know, him for 30 yards dead center of the body or you're going to hit him too high. And that's, that's the mistake that I've made because, you know, you get rushed, you start panicking it's my only opportunity. Yeah. Well, it's way harder to make that call when you're in that, like, when you have that thought, oh, he's about to go. He's about to go. I have to shoot now. Mm-hmm. Last thing you're thinking about is, like, how should I compensate for how he's going to react to this? Yep. Uh, so it's it's super difficult, and it's something that, like, really we should probably practice more or mm-hmm. think of a way to 
practice just the instinct of here's the body language, here's the yardage, here's where I hold my pen, mm-hmm. which I don't know how you do that. Dropping targets. I honestly just like it's it's really weird, but I I don't I would never shoot 3D targets for like competition personally, and if you do. I like I'm not telling you to not do it. I'm not I'm not telling you to not do it at all. I'm just saying like be careful of like the habits that you create because I think a lot of the bad habits I created when I was younger is I would shoot a 3D target center mass every time because that's yeah. where the 10 ring is. But in reality, like you know, for example, with a 30-yard shot on a deer in calm conditions even, like he's probably going to move some even if he's not keyed up on you. If it's calm and the bow goes off, that's like the sweet spot it seems like where they can do the most. Yeah. And be bottom third on him at least. Yeah, and, and if not under him. Yeah, and like it, if you watch a bunch of different hunting videos, you can see tons of different examples of dropping at the shot and it's just like um I don't know. I don't think that practicing shooting like a 3d target center mass is uh like a good practice to do all the time like i think if you're the type of person that likes to compete i think that that's that's like totally cool and i think it's great practice still i absolutely do i'm not i'm not saying it's bad practice i'm just saying like to make the habit of always center massing something is is tough because there's so many variables and when um you know i guess the one thing that i did want to like kind of wrap a bow around what i was just talking about with like taking that extra second is okay let's say you're in that situation where it's 30 yards and he's looking right at you and you're thinking he's gonna run and he's he's like really really you feel like you're running out of time when you feel like you're running out of time you probably still have another like two three four five seconds maybe more but in your head you start rushing i think one thing that has helped me so much is just remembering like you're gonna get here again because i look back on that very first time it ever happened when i was a teenager and i think of all the other awesome opportunities i've had since then my friends have had since then you know like how much you know in the moment and you, you take it to like, you know, this season, this week, this weekend. It's like, this is my opportunity. It's like, man, in the grand scheme of your hunting career, you are putting yourself in position there once you're going to again. You're good enough to get there again. Be confident in yourself to get there again because you will. I promise you will. You know, you're going to get there way more. I mean, it happens to me and my friends all the time where it's just like, man, we're like, we are getting better at this. We are getting more opportunities than we thought we were. And I just think that that keeping that perspective is like, even if I don't get this one, cause I take that extra second. And as I'm taking that extra second to settle the pin, boom, he blows and he's gone. The worst thing I can do is force it, hit him bad. The best thing that I could do is take too long. Cause I tried to settle the pin and make a really good, perfect shot. He gets away and then I get another chance because, again, you're going to get another chance. I promise you will. I promise you will. <laughs> Man, it gets me excited, though. <laughs> Thinking about shooting. Shooting animals. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, we kind of got to rambling on several different topics. You got any final thoughts to wrap this one up, Grant? Um, I'm just fired up for to, to 
get everybody in in town here. Yes. It's just Zach and I going in first for the first uh, what two three days. Probably two or three days. Yep. Um, and then we've got Colin followed by Zach's brother Logan, uh, and then Ben, and then potentially Jake and Nick. So um, super excited to to have the crew back together and. Um, yeah, no, really no no expectations other than just working hard with friends. So. Yep. Awesome. Well, wish us luck, and we'll try to do another podcast sometime here in the next couple of days, kind of updating on what we've been learning, I think would be a good, good follow-up for this one. So thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you on the next one. Catch you later.